Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be with you today. Turn with me to 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 4 of 1 John. If you don't have your Bible with you, we'll have that on the screen. And, and while you're turning to 1 John in the back of the Bible, I want to tell you a short story. My wife, Katie, and I have three kids, two girls. They're nine and six. They'd want me to tell you they're almost 10 and almost seven. And our caboose, our son, Camden, he is four. And uh, the other night I was putting Camden to sleep and he's usually really quick to go to sleep. But like a lot of us lately, he's been a bit more afraid than normal. And so when I was putting him to sleep, I, I prayed with him and I tucked him in and I said to him, Camden, I know you're, you've been afraid a little bit lately, but I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna lay down right next to you and, until you fall asleep. And after a few minutes, he said, Daddy, can you sing me a song? And I said, sure, bud. And he said, but can it be a song with Jesus's name in it? Because Jesus is powerful. And so I sang to him and he sang along for a little while until he fell asleep. It was a precious moment, but I was most thankful that my wife just the night before had taught him that Jesus's name, Jesus is powerful. And Camden said, as he was going to sleep, Jesus makes the bad stuff, the scary stuff run away. Jesus is powerful. Well, today we begin a new series on fighting fear. Today and the next six weeks, next seven weeks, we're gonna equip you with 19 ways that you can fight fear. And today we're gonna do just one. We're gonna look at how to fight fear with love. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, invites us to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. So today we're gonna look at how to fight fear with love because he cares for us. He loves us. So 1 John 4, and we're gonna begin in verse seven. Read with me now. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment 
And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Just this morning, I was out on a walk and the message that God just was speaking to me um, this morning, it wasn't originally in my notes, but he just was reminding me, tell my people, I love them. I love you. God loves you. He loves you. And our big idea for this morning that I want us to explore is this simple truth. God's perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect love casts out fear. When we think about God's perfect love casting out fear, when we think about fear at all, we need to remember what we have, what we start with. I often come, when I think about fear, I often dwell on the fear and think about the fear and it ruminates and it grows and grows and grows. But this passage reminds us that we need to start with love, start with what we've been given, not focus on what we might lose or what's under threat. Start with love and God is love. So what is God's perfect love? What is God's perfect love? I wanna give you three answers to that question. What is God's perfect love? Well, the first is God is love. God has always been and he always is and God is love. God is not similar to love. He is love. Let's look at verse seven and eight again. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So we should love one another because God is love. So the first thing is God is love. The second is God's perfect love is evidenced by the cross. Let's look at verse nine, uh, nine through 11. It says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In our sins for all people in all time, but also your sins and my sins, the consequence for a perfect God is that we cannot be in his presence absent wrath from our sin, for our sin. That punishment that awaited each of us for our sins was death, judgment, and forever eternal separation from God forever. There's an important word, a big word um, that might be unfamiliar to many of us, but propitiation. It's an important word. And th there's, there's deep definitions to it, but the simple definition that, that, is, that I want to give us this morning I want you to think about is a wrath-bearing object. I was talking to Pastor Trent about this to, to make sure I was understanding it. And he said, it's like an umbrella, like in a, in a crazy rainstorm and an umbrella. And when you pop it up, and if you've got like an umbrella, it takes the rain for you and you are perfectly dry. Jesus, in a so much better way, is like our umbrella that bears the wrath that was due us for our sins and takes it so we 
are safe and comforted. Um, that he makes a way for us um, to have the sins that were due us to be taken away. And he took the wrath from God upon himself and we were protected. Christ died on the cross and took the consequences of my sin. Christ died because he loves you and loves me and he took the consequences for your sin. Romans 5.8 reminds us that, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He died for us, undeserving and unrepentant. And, and in my case and in your case, he died for us before we were even born, right? He loved us so much that before we even knew that we were in need of a savior, he came from heaven to earth to live and die so that we might be protected because he loves us. God loves you. On those very rare occasions when this happens, I get so excited. This, uh, I don't know if it's happened to you. It's only happened to me a couple times, just in a random drive-through. And Dunkin' Donuts, I remember it happened to me one time and I was going to pay for my order of uh, hot chocolate and two donuts. And someone in front of me had paid for my hot chocolate and two donuts. And I was so excited. I told everybody the rest of the day, this is so cool, right? How much more excited should we be that God in his wisdom and his love for us sent Jesus before we knew that we needed a savior to die on the cross for us. But it's not enough to just believe that Jesus died on the cross for us. We need to confess, we need to confess that we are in need of a savior to do this. We need to confess that we're in need of a savior. We need to confess that Jesus is our Lord. We need to confess that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And God's perfect love is evidenced by the cross. Let's read in verse nine. It says, it ends with, God sent his only son into this world so that we might live through him. That we need him to live. Our every breath, our every hope of any kind of future with him is dependent on the cross. We need the cross to live through him. We need to confess that we are in need of a savior. And verse 14 says, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Jesus' death on the cross and taking the wrath that was due us, what was due us to separate us from God and receive the judgment that was due us for our sins. Jesus took that and that provides evidence of God's perfect love for us. We aren't just forgiven, friends. We're joyfully restored. We're not just let in the back door. We belong in the room as children of the King. So God's perfect love is evidence that God is love and it's evidenced by the cross. But there's a third one. God's perfect love is evidenced by his abiding presence. God's perfect love is evidenced by his abiding presence. He abides in us through the Holy Spirit. He abides in us through the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a lot of abides as we're going to hear again. I'm going to read it again. 
There are a lot of abides in there, but what does abide mean? It means to remain, to lodge, to dwell with, to continue with, to endure with. Let's read verses 12 through 14. It says this, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. So how do we experience abiding? I was texting this week with my best friend and I just love spending time with my best friend. And we miss seeing each other and we're looking forward, we're texting about looking forward to going out to our favorite restaurant again together and just talking. And we love to talk, but we also love to just be together. Uh, I can finish his sentences, he can finish mine. It's a little goofy, um, but we have been together. We have been through trials together. We have been through a lot together. We have been through joys, marriages, children. Uh, We have been through a lot together. And, And when we're together, it's just good to be with him right? To be, to be in his presence is just fun. And, and it's so comforting. It's, it's a normal thing. When we get together, it's just like normal. It's great. Um, but we can't have that right now. And, and, and so we're wondering, like, how do we uh, make it? How do we cope? What do we lean on? And God's perfect love is evidenced and that we can abide in he abides in us and we can abide in him in the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. As some of you might know, I work a lot with children who have experienced trauma and people who have experienced trauma. And one of the things that's most at risk with people in trauma uh, is food, is around food. There's this fear, especially kids who have been abused or neglected or homeless. uh, There's this fear that there's not gonna be enough food. So anytime they see food or anytime they're feeling worried or anxious, they go around and they hoard all the food. And so people who take in children, not their own, often at first lock the food and protect it and keep it safe because they don't want the kids binging and stealing food and hoarding food. But the thing I've learned um, to help children re-regulate after being through trauma is to make healthy snacks available all the time. And you say to these kids, like, you don't actually need to steal food We're just going to give you food. You don't need to take it. Whenever you see it, you don't need to steal it and hide it and bring it for later. It's just always going to be here. There's always going to be healthy snacks. They're always going to be here on the table. You You don't need to hide them. You don't need to steal them. They're just always here. They're always here. Sometimes when we think about God, when we think about God, we go to him when we're afraid and when we need him and we cling to him, and, and, and we need as much God as we can get. And that's not bad. But in the other times, we forget that he's always here. He's always available. And with kids and people who have experienced trauma, when these healthy snacks are there, we can actually see that their brain re-regulates. And trauma is actually relieved just from the simple fact that healthy snacks are available anytime you need them. God in his, in his majesty and his grace and his love for you and his love for me makes himself available to anyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can be in his presence all the time. We can be with him knowing that he also abides 
with us. God's perfect love is for all people in all circumstances. God is love. It's evidenced by the cross and it's evidenced by his abiding presence in the Holy Spirit. But how do we experience perfect love? How do we experience perfect love? Well, let's keep reading. We'll see three ways that we can experience perfect love. The first one is we need to confess to God. Verse 15 says this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We need to confess. In order to experience God's perfect love, we need to confess that we're in need of a savior. And the second is we need to abide in God. Let's keep reading. Verse 16, it says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That God is with us and we need to abide in God. How do we do that? We need to spend time in the Lord. We need to remember that, that his presence is always available to us. And he wants us to delight in being with him and dwelling with him in him and us. God isn't something to cling to only in a storm, but it's a habit that we need to train. And eventually our trauma and our fears go away, knowing that he's with us all the time. He's always present. And we need to abide in him. We need to make regular time with him in the word and prayer and meditation and lamenting a daily rhythm of our life. And over time, we'll remember that he's always with us and we'll be overcome with, with the gift of God's perfect love for us, knowing it is always available to us anytime. His love is always available to us. He's always pursuing us, always abiding with us. So we need to abide with him and remember that he abides with us and we can abide in him. So we need to confess to God and we need to abide in him and we need to love one another. Verse 19 continues, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So we can experience God's perfect love by confessing to God our need for a savior, by abiding in him, abiding in him, abiding in God, abiding in his Holy Spirit, and then by loving one another. As we think about these things, there's an important distinction. Um, John's not saying, he's not saying we shouldn't fear God in terms of reverence and awe. I, I first asked this question when I was like, wait, Perfect love casts out fear. Does that mean I shouldn't be afraid of God? I shouldn't have reverence and awe for God? No, he's not talking about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge from Proverbs. That's Proverbs 1, 7. He's not thinking about that. In fact, he even says in verse 12 here, 1 John 4, 12, he says, no one has ever seen God. There's this, there's this holy reverence for God. That's true. But the fear that, that John is talking about here is around fear from wrath, 
or judgment. But God's perfect love casts out fear if we confess in him, abide in him, and love one another. And his perfect love is available to us, manifested by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 again says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Friends, our God loves you. He loves you. And his perfect love casts out fear. One of the questions I've been sitting with this year in 2020, even before COVID-19, the thing that God has been asking me is working on my heart. And I, and I want to ask you now, if you could sit with Jesus right now and he was looking at you, how would that feel? What is the condition of your heart? When you're just with God, do you know that you're loved? Do you, do you sit with your heavenly father? Do you sit with the Lord? Do you sit with God knowing that you're loved as a treasured creation of the king? a son and daughter of the king? Or, or do, you, do, do, you, do you fear and have condemnation of his wrath that he's going to attack you and rebuke you and discard you? No, God's perfect love casts out fear so that you may fully experience the love of God. God's perfect love casts out fear. No matter what you're afraid of, Randy Alcorn, a, a, a famous Christian writer. I don't know how famous he is, but he's a Christian writer anyway. Uh, he has this powerful quote that I read this week. If you base your faith on a lack of affliction, your faith lives on the brink of extinction. Let me read that again. If you base your faith on lack of affliction, your faith lives on the brink of extinction. But, but let me say this. God cares about your fears and he cares about your hopes because he cares for you. He cares about your jobs. He cares about any of you who are unemployed right now. He cares about uh, your kids as they balance virtual learning. He cares about some of you who are trying to balance um, being a teacher for the first time and also doing your job and, and, and doing all the other things you need to do. He cares about the things that bothered you and worried you before COVID-19. He cares. He cares about the health of your loved ones. He cares about your uncertainties about what's next and what's to come. He cares about uh, the things that worry you and keep you up at night. But he invites us to come and bring our burdens to him because he cares for us. He cares for you. And God's perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect love casts out fear. John 16, says this, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I remember once Pastor Phil Thorne, he was our last senior pastor. And I don't remember if he was quoting someone or he was just talking, but I, I distinctly remember he said, I'd rather everything depend on God than everything depend on me. And that has stuck with me. And that is so true. Joshua 1.9 reads this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. Friends, do you know that God's perfect love casts out fear and his love is for you? But in the face of fear, why should I love others? Because you could say like, great, God loves me. His, I, I, I can go to him with my fear, but why should I love others? At a time where we're all like kind of hunkered down and, and everyone's you know, afraid and, and fear is, is seemingly everywhere and growing, no matter who you listen to or what you turn on, um, it would be easy to hide in the bunker. And as we think about why we should love others, I want to encourage us, friends, that these are unusual times, but we need, to, we need to be wary of falling into the trap of thinking these are exceptional times, that somehow this is an exceptional season so much that this is too big, too complicated, too scary for our God. Because too often when we believe that we're living in a time unlike ever before, we go insular and go in the bunker and we forget that in order to experience God's perfect love, we need to love one another. So I do want to reiterate why we should love one another. I want to, I want to tell you why we should do that. But first, I want to say thank you for those of you that are already doing that. Or for those of you that are stepping out in faith and loving your neighbors and seeking the good of the West Shore and beyond for the glory of Christ. Many of you have visited our Seek the Good page. That's westshorefree.org backslash Seek the Good. And many of you have responded to our collective call for action around food insecurity. We've been partnering with New Hope. And over the last five or six weeks, we've been supplying New Hope with 110 volunteers at the Ecumenical Food Pantry and their location in Mechanicsburg for New Hope and other locations around the region. And now we're encouraging people to go to the Central PA Food Bank as well. 110 people every week from our church have been going out and ministering to at least 2,200 families. It's been absolutely amazing. You all have donated hundreds and hundreds of masks, both directly to the church and have been distributing them around the community. You've been we've been hearing those stories. And that is just awesome. And many of you have been using your unique talents and time and treasure to seek the good of the West Shore and beyond for the glory of Christ, coming up with ways that you can minister to senior citizens who you don't even know and writing letters to them, just to encourage them and help them know that they're loved and seen and mowing each other's lawns and shopping for groceries for people who can't get out right now. And just encouraging one another and using your creativity in ways that we couldn't have dreamed of before. And I just wanna encourage you to keep going and keep loving one another. And when you forget that God wants us to do this, I want you to remember why we should do this because this isn't just about doing nice things in a time of trial. This is a proclamation of these three things. Why we should love one another. The first is a confession to God. When you're under attack or in the face of fear, why we should love one another is we should confess to God that when we're worried and we feel under attack and under threat, we wanna confess to God that God, I'm trusting you. You, the God who made the heavens and the earth, I'm gonna follow you. Everything depends on you. And you say, I need to love one another. I need to sacrificially, generously seek the good of my neighbor. So it's a confession of my need for you. I'm gonna say, even though I don't know what my tomorrow is gonna look like, I'm gonna stand and trust with you. And I'm going out in whatever safe way I can, in whatever way you call me to, 
And I'm going to confess to you that you are my Lord and I will go, come what may, and love my neighbor. And the second reason why we should love our neighbor in the face of fear is to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should encourage them because our brothers and sisters, just like you are sometimes, they are, they are afraid and they're wondering what is happening. And by us sacrificially loving one another, generously loving one another, we remind our brothers and sisters in Christ that God's word is true. Come what may, God's word is true. And by sacrificially loving one another and counting as a joy to love one another, we encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ and remind them that God is with us. He's abiding with us. We can encourage one another by loving one another. And the third reason is a testimony to those who don't know Jesus yet as their Lord and Savior. I've been in so many difficult environments around the world. And anytime, you know, so often we worry, friends, about how we're going to share our faith and how we're going to bring up Jesus. But when we're loving one another, people who don't know the Lord yet come to us and they say, what? Why are you doing this? Wait, you just lost your job and you're making meals and buying groceries for people in our neighborhood? Why? Um, you're, you're mowing this person's grass or you're doing this or you're doing that. You're sending meals to people that work at the hospital. You're volunteering at the ecumenical food pantry in Harrisburg, a place you had never been before. Why? Well, because the God I serve calls me to love my neighbor and I love you too. So I'm here because God is love and I love you too. What a better opportunity to declare the hope that we have in Jesus and testify to the hope we have in Jesus to those who don't know the Lord yet. But friends, this is, this is an unusual time. But God's perfect love is for all people, all time, everywhere. And his perfect love casts out fear. Friends, no matter what you're afraid of, we have to remember that God led his people out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. God closed the mouths of lions in Daniel. He calmed the raging seas. He built his church on the backs of people who literally went to their death, defending their hope and faith in Jesus as their true author and perfecter of their faith. And even still to this day, God is casting out fear in those who are being persecuted for their faith right now to the death. God's perfect love casts out fear. No matter what you're afraid of, God's perfect love casts out fear and he loves you. In October, I, I had an opportunity to be in Thailand and, and it was this amazing gathering with 500 leaders from 70 different countries around the world looking at how to help children belong in families and how to equip church planting around the world to equip families and churches to take in children not their own. And after four or five days at this conference, it was simply awesome. And it was about to end. And, and there were about 20 of us staying after some of the global leaders and just thinking through what's next after this conference. And, and, and not a socially distant way away from me was this guy. He was probably like this close to me. He's a friend, new friend of mine from Central Asia. And we were going around the room and sharing about what our hopes and our fears were and what's next. And he was going back home and where he was going back home to, even though his wife and his kids were there, he was very afraid. 
because he was a church planter and, and starting this, this movement to help children belong in families. And the government uh, had him on a watch list. He'd received death threats. He'd been in prison. He'd been abused and assaulted. He was afraid to go back. And he shivered and shook and cried for about 20 minutes. And we prayed for him and we surrounded him and we reminded him that God loves him. And over time, after about 20 minutes, he stopped crying and he got this smile on his face and he said, God loves me and it is a joy to follow Jesus. And he was ready to go back. Friends, we're not called to love one another, to do nice things and be kind to our neighbors, although it is good to love your neighbors. We're called to love one another, to declare to the world that our God's perfect love casts out fear, that he loves me and he loves you too. Come what may. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect love. We thank you for your perfect love. We thank you that your perfect love casts out fear. May we be marked as a people, Lord. Help us to be marked by a people in this time of fear and doubt and uncertainty. May we be marked by a people who boldly and consistently confess our need for a savior, abide in you and love one another. Come what may. May we just know May we know in the face of our fear that we always have your perfect love as our Lord and Savior. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.